This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. The pandemic has impacted America's education system in many ways. One positive aspect is the use of modern technology with real-time audio-video interaction. There's no doubt that we need to get kids back in the classroom, but what we're also finding is that online creates a lot of opportunities, too, to make sure that we can capitalize on the global reach that technology provides. Then, statin drugs can lower the risk of heart disease and stroke. One cardiologist says many more people should be taking them. Statins can actually cut the risk for a second heart attack. They can cut the risk of death. Not many medicines that we use can actually provide that type of benefit. Those two stories and more are ahead on this week's show. InfoTrack begins right after this. InfoTrack. The weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. According to reports, COVID-19 has revealed some serious problems in American education. Here to talk about that is Ravi Huttizing, the author of a new book, Pivot, Empowering Students Today to Succeed in an Unpredictable Tomorrow. Ravi, how has COVID-19 exposed problems in America's education system? Well, Chris, you know, it's really interesting because in education, we've been talking about equality and equity and disparity and all of these things. And we've often thought that technology was going to be the great equalizer. Well, what happened with COVID was that overnight we had to start implementing this technology. But what we found was that the technology wasn't adequate for everyone. I mean, we had situations where people don't have access to high-speed internet. Even perhaps more of a surprise than that is that we discovered the limitations of even those that do have high-speed internet because what's happening is all of a sudden you've got maybe three or four kids at home, all of whom are online at the same time, and so is mom and dad because they're working from home. And so the internet that's normally sufficient all of a sudden became inadequate when everybody's working and learning from home. So that's one of the amazing things that we really discovered was how important it is to have that access for technology, especially from an educational standpoint and for making sure that we have equity in education. When the pandemic is finally over, and we're hoping that'll be in the near future, should the students be back in the classroom? Should we just go back to the way it was? Or have we uh, changed things for the better, perhaps? There's no doubt that we need to get kids back in the classroom because so much of the social skills and the interaction and really peer-to-peer learning, which is really, really important, happens in the classroom. And it's very hard to reproduce a lot of that online. But what we're also finding is that online creates a lot of opportunities too, because we can have teachers from the other side of the world come and visit our students here and bring in a global perspective, which is something that as a keynote speaker, when I talk to education audiences, I really talk about the importance of creating global citizens and how important cultural competence is and that we create opportunities for our students here to be able to network with peers and teachers on the other side of the world. So it would be a shame if we completely went back to the way it was because it would mean that the lessons of COVID might get lost. But I think there's a great opportunity in a hybrid learning environment going forward to make sure that we can capitalize on the all-important togetherness of in-person learning as well as the global reach that technology provides. 
We're talking with Ravi Hatizing, author of the new book, Pivot, Empowering Students Today to Succeed in an Unpredictable Tomorrow. As far as teaching style, the Internet allows us to perhaps send individualized lessons to different students. Is that something that would be a good thing to continue? Well, I think personalized learning has been on the forefront of educators' minds. You know, how do we use technology? How do we use everything we know to try to create more personalized learning opportunities? And certainly technology enables us to do that. Yet it's also, I do believe in standards and I do believe that it's important that we have some common teaching to students so that they can bond over the things that they learn so that they have things to talk about, things to learn from each other. So personalized learning is great in that what we ultimately want to teach, which is the one and only goal of education is to create lifelong learners. So, you know, we have to teach students how to learn. And by teaching them how to learn, they can learn for themselves and from each other for the rest of their lives so they can pivot through unpredictable times. You are personally uh, certainly are an example of pivoting. I think it's fascinating that you were a guitarist for Hanson, a top-selling band back in the 90s. How did you make the transition to the educational field that you're in now from that? Well, you know, the whole journey was interesting because I come from a political family. My great uncle was the first prime minister of India, Jawaharlal Nehru, and Indira Gandhi and Rajiv Gandhi were my cousins. But my father pivoted himself and became one of the first Indians on Wall Street. So while we were having political conversations, I grew up in an investment banking family with my two older brothers following in his footsteps. And then when my parents went through a divorce, separated when I was 11, divorced when I became 13... I got lost and I discovered rock and roll and the power of the electric guitar. And so my trajectory put me on a path to wanting to become a professional musician. And I got to live my dreams with Hanson. And then when the internet surfaced and we became a peer-to-peer sharing economy, well, the record industry was one of the first industries to collapse. And that's when I had to really make my first big pivot and started lecturing about entrepreneurship in the arts. So my speaking career grew and grew and grew. And then in 2015, I realized that, you know, the most important audience I felt that I could speak to was education because you have an exponential impact. I mean, now when I speak to education leaders like superintendents, maybe a month later, I'll get a note from a teacher who sends me a picture that one of her students drew based on a quote that I told the superintendent. So if you follow that trajectory, the potential to be a positive influence perhaps is greater in education than in any other industry. And that's really why I now focus on being a keynote speaker in education. One thing that seems to be lacking with the uh, high-tech education we're dealing with now with COVID-19 is the cultural connection between students. How can that be overcome in the future? And can it be overcome if students are working from home? Well, you know, when we talk about the cultural connection, I mean, there's so many different types of cultural connection. I mean, one is certainly the one that we hope that they're getting in school by interacting with different students. And especially one of the reasons why I'm a big proponent of public education is that the most diversity in our communities exists within the public school. And so it's a very important place for students to go and create cultural connections with people that might be a little different than themselves, which is what's the key to be 
becoming a global citizen and having empathy and being able to have a successful career as a global citizen. But when we look at technology, you know, I started a network several years ago called Ravi Unite Schools, which is about 150 schools from around the world. And I create online interactions where one classroom from, say, India will connect with a classroom in Ohio. And the students will basically run the interaction themselves. And it's really remarkable because if we give students the forum and make sure that they stay curious, which if we do that for our students, all we have to do is create those forums, which we can do online, where one student can create and sustain a cultural connection with friends that they will meet through the Internet on the other side of the world. A disturbing uh, statistic from USA Today is that dropout rates for black and Hispanic students are 50 and 100 percent higher than white students, respectively. What is the solution, do you think, for these dropout rates with minority students? Well, I think we have to look at those statistics on a broader scope, because when you look at the scores that rate schools from one country to another, you find that American schools fall somewhere in the middle. You know, we're average. And of course, as an industrialized nation, as the United States of America, we should be on the top of that. Well, what's interesting is if you extract all the schools except for the 25% of schools that have the lowest level of poverty, well, those top percent of schools, they do really well on these international scores. They're scoring at number one. So what this tells us is that We can't just look at this as a failure of education. We have to look at it as a fact that we have maybe not an education problem, but a poverty problem. And while education has to serve all people, if we attack it from a eradication of poverty point of view, I think we'll find that our current education system will start to serve a wider range of students in a more equitable way. The book is Pivot, Empowering Students Today to Succeed in an Unpredictable Tomorrow. And the author is Ravi Hutteasing. And we appreciate you spending some time with us today, Ravi. Thanks, Chris. I really appreciate the opportunity. Next, lowering the risk of heart disease. That story coming up. Don't go away. InfoTrack will be back right after this. 